2: From uh, Dallas, Texas. Land of barbecue and beans. Beer. Just had a <clears throat> some beer. <laughs> oh, so you're really ready to go. <laughs> um, I'm really ready to go. I'm loosened up. And... Hey,
3: everybody! Welcome back to Bat Force Radio. As Robin Cross from the land of healthcare and hockey sticks. We've got Grandpa Batman from the Lone Star State. Howdy. We've got the Trunkler from Chicago. How's it going? Batcrap from NY. Uh, We've got a guest joining us tonight. Uh, You've seen her work uh, in Xenoscope, Grim Fairy Tales. She's just recently run on Wonder Woman with the end of the New 52. And uh, we're about to see a Catwoman story from her called Election Night. And uh, big welcome. Thank you for being here.
1: Meredith Finch. Yeah. Hey, hey, thanks for having
0: me. Oh, uh, thanks for coming on, Meredith. How's everything going?
1: It's been good. I'm adjusting to life as a writer. It's not what I expected it to be in the sense that you are content. with Dave, when you're an artist, you always have work. Mm-hmm. When you're a writer, it's like, oh my gosh, my project is done. What am I gonna do next? Mm, It happens so much faster because artists, they take, you know, an entire month to do a project, sometimes more. Writing doesn't quite take that much time. So you're constantly looking for the next thing. Mm. Mm. It was nice Mm -hmm. to have that regular Wonder Woman gig.
2: You just mentioned that, and there's a number of writers. I've always wondered because, um, I don't know, I dabble in writing, but not professionally or, you know, at the level that you're at. So there's all these writers that they'll have like, four or five books going on at the same time. And I'm like, how do they do that? Because I don't know, how long does it take to like write a single issue?
1: I I think it definitely depends on the writer. I know for myself, because we still have kids at home. I fit my writing time in from the time they leave and go to school and then come home. And it depends on how well you're flowing. It can take me, like I can write most of an issue in a day if it's going really well. Or sometimes I have to pace myself and say, okay, Meredith, you're gonna write four pages. So for a twenty page issue, you're gonna take a week and write this. But that's just getting the initial script done, right? And then you have to go through and do the editing, make sure that it works and get it approved. And and actually when it when you're talking about writing a book, especially for a major company like Marvel or DC, you can start that process, you know, six eight months before the book ever hits the stands. And the writer or the artist really gets brought in sort of after months and months of prep work has already happened. So that's why you see a lot of times a writer might have four books out because they might've been like pitching a project to DC and pitching a project to Marvel and pitching something, a creator-owned own project. And then all of a sudden, bam, everything hits at once. But a lot mm-hmm. of the legwork that they're doing has already been done.
2: Okay, that makes more yeah. sense.
3: Uh, uh, Jeff Lemire is a good example of that. That he's always got about eight books that are on the go.
1: Yeah, I could not do that. I have to say, <laughs> I think two might be my limit right now.
2: So, do you start out with a, a sketch or like you know a, an outline, or do you think about it just in your head and just start going? What 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 is Meredith Finch's process?
1: I, I still feel like I'm a really new writer, so I'm st- I'm probably not the, the best process in terms compared to people who are much more experienced. But I start with an idea like, oh, I think it would be really cool if I did this with this character. And usually it's like an emotional thing I want to talk about, something that's going on in my life. I mean, that's how my Wonder Woman, um, that first arc really came about was... I was feeling very overwhelmed by a bunch of things that were happening and I thought how that related to her character at that time and that's sort of where the idea for that story came about so that's really how I start I start with like what am I going through in my life or what do I what's an experience I've had in my life that I can relate to a character and that's where I start with my idea so it's always for me what I want the character arc and then I start thinking then I have to figure out what the plot's going to be and and fill in, that's the harder part for me, filling in, like making the story interesting and making sure everything's tied together. And I tend to be one of those people where I, I start before I know how it's going to end. So I'll be lying in bed at night and go, oh my God, I just had the best idea or driving the kids to gymnastics or a play date or school. And I have like the greatest idea in the car and then I have to keep it in my head. Until I get home, so I don't forget it. <laughs> so, probably not the the greatest example of of uh, a seamless process, but it's been working so far. You
3: mentioned being a new writer. Uh, how did you get started, anyway?
1: I've always written for myself, mostly poetry and short story kind of things. A lot, and again, always about around times where I've I've had sort of struggles or or things going on in my life, um, and. About three years ago, a very good friend of mine had a very tragic accident and ended up uh, quadriplegic. And around that time, I started writing again just as a way to sort of deal with um, the feelings I was having around that situation. And Dave happened to get a hold of some of that. And he's like, Meredith, because we've talked about it before that maybe someday I would write. And and he's like, Meredith, I just think this is really good. And I, I, the kids are getting here and I really believe in you. And I think this is something that at this point you need to be pursuing. And that's really how it came about. It was Dave. I blame him for it because I think I would have been on some level. I think I would have been content to always just write for myself, but you know, he just, he kept pushing and, and he really believed in me, and and uh, he we approached a couple publishers, and Denniscope was like, "Sure, why not?" They really gave me my first shot, and I'll always be incredibly loyal to them because of that. Do you have um, any
0: particular um, like favorite authors or novelists or poets or any people that you draw inspiration from by any chance?
1: I have always been. I, I kind of. Been, I want to say I'm an eclectic reader. I'm really not. I love fantasy fiction. That's what I grew up reading. So Anne McCaffrey, Robert Jordan, David Eddings. I think that's why comics is such a good fit for me, because it is that sort of fantastical idea of creating a world. Yeah, and and yeah. I get inst- I've always had that idea of creating a, a world in my own mind. It, I'm just doing it differently than I thought I would. And I kind of like the idea that the story I'm telling now gets to really have a visual representation on the page. And and I'm, I'm really enjoying that part of it. So I do like, you know, I read some romance, and for a while there I was reading all the classics, like Dickens, who I love, just to try to yeah. give myself, make sure I have like all the background, because my background is science. I mean, I did a degree in ecology and evolution. So I could write a mean lab paper,
2: kind of makes sense when you were approached to do wonder woman because you said that you know you you like science fiction and, and fantasy and stuff like that and that's kind of the world that she lives in you know mythology and and all that stuff so that that really seemed like a natural fit do you do you think that way or
1: i really did feel that with that character and and i feel too i mean maybe there are people who would argue with me about this but I feel like she, she's really the the mother figure of the Justice League and, and really the DCU. And and I think for me, in a lot of ways, even though it's inc- it was incredibly intimidating working on this most iconic female character, she's actually, because I was relatively new to superheroes and comics, she's actually the character that I really related to the most. So it was kind of nice that I got to have that, that that one character that to really find myself and find my voice with somebody that i could relate to personally in the dc universe and in comics in general.
2: Well did you, did you did you feel any additional pressure by following mm-hmm. Azarello cuz i mean here's this grizzled veteran and then here you are a uh, kind of a, a new fresh face and also um you know a female and taking on the iconic female heroine of all comics
0: it just just to add to gramps question is like yeah how, how did you manage that being that you're taking on actually at this point you're in between taking on the most the two most iconic female characters in the history of comics being that between wonder woman and now going into Catwoman, um and just we're talking about three quarters of a century of history um yeah. Like, what's that like? like? Oh my God, I feel so
1: intimidated <laughs> when
0: you say that. <laughs> well, now that it's over, you don't have to, you're oh like,
1: oh my gosh, I'm ret- not having a panic attack.
0: Well, the, the, uh,
3: retroactive retroactive oh, intimidation. That's right. Yeah, you can just brush the shoulder
2: <laughs> off now, you did it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. I mean, you think about it, it's comic books, but they're, <laughs> these fictional, ca- they're <laughs> the most prolific, fic- they might be the most prolific fictional characters in history considering <laughs> their consistency. Um, With year after year of comics for that amount of time three quarters of a century and 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 you can go anywhere in the globe across the globe and people will know who these characters are and these are like the strongest female characters we have in fiction so it's just you know it's pretty awesome what you're doing to be honest with you
1: thank you yeah i was i'm not gonna lie i was freaking out taking over after brian and cliff and uh the one thing i kept telling myself is Man, even if I write like the worst comic ever, and there are some who will argue that I did, um, I knew the art would look great, and I feel really proud of it. I mean, I learned a lot from it, but I—I I don't think I would have done it without Dave because he's such a great storyteller, and coming in. And really this was like I did the Little Mermaid mini series, which was five issues, but this was my first I, I kind of knew where that story was beginning and ending. This was the first time I'd sort of taken on an ongoing series. And uh, having Dave support me because he he's written before. He did his Batman Dark Knight, he wrote when he was back with Image. So at least I had him in my corner helping me out. Brian was incredibly helpful and supportive giving like letting me know what was gonna happen with the story. DC was incredibly supportive. So, you know, I really had a great time. I think it was able to do something with the character that that I, I think I was really able to put my own stamp on her while still being true to what Brian and Cliff had done. And uh I feel really good about what we were able to accomplish. I mean we were able to give her that new costume. And and I, even though she's not in that costume now, I felt like it really meant something to us. And I, I feel like, you know, it meant something to fans too. And I get a lot of people who come up to me even now at conventions and are like, I love that costume. I love why you gave it to her. I wish that she still had it. So you know,
0: yeah. well, we are getting an action figure of that costume, so I'm I'm happy about that. I think uh, Mattel Yay! is doing it, right. Robin, is it Mattel that's doing it or Graham's?
3: Uh, I would have to look it up I, again. Yeah, though. I
0: think Mattel's doing the, the David Finch. And just for the record, I have so many great artists have done Wonder Woman, but I, I, David's definitely my favorite to do Wonder Woman. He's just so, oh yeah, He's just so I, good at <laughs> just in general. You know,
2: no one draws a better female. Than, than dave agreed Fitch. i agree wow mm. so yeah that, that, that leads me to note another series of questions i mean you're you're living with the artist no one has that close of connection with their artist so <laughs> did you <laughs> ever I'm find did you ever find yourself like you know maybe asking him okay dave um what 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 do you want to draw and and i'll write to you or or how did that dynamic work
1: oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was part of the process because the one advantage I've had is I've sat here before I started writing for, you know, seven or eight years of our relationship and listened to him complain at times about (laughs) scripts and what, you know, he likes, I knew what he liked to draw and what he didn't like to draw. And I think sometimes that writers forget that if you don't engage your artist And give them the opportunity to do what they do best. If you don't write to their strength, you're not writing the best comic book that you could be doing. So absolutely, I would say to him, what do you want to draw? And that's how we brought Swamp Thing in. Because he's like, I I love Swamp Thing. I'm like, done. Let's figure it (laughs) away. We're Swamp Thing in here. So that you can do, and I mean that swamp thing page where one woman is kicking swamp thing. That double page spread is like phenomenal, so good. It's it's and it's so in his wheelhouse of what he does well, and uh, you know I think that that it's important because if the artist is enjoying what he's doing, then that translates on the page, and it gives it an extra energy to what what the and, and it's connecting with the reader in that way. So. And I find that even now working with other artists, um, working with Shane Davis on the Catwoman election night, Shane is so good. And there was a moment where we were having discussion about a fight scene and he's like, you've written this and it's really, it feels very complicated. And I said to him, look, Shane, you're the visual storyteller. You do that fight scene, however you wanna do it. And I will script around it because you know what you do best, and you tell the visual story, to, not me. I I just add the words. I give you the idea, hopefully the inspiration. But you have to you have to be able to give your artist room to be inspired. And I think sometimes writers forget that when you see like comic books that don't have even a splash page or like eight panel page after eight panel page you're just boxing your artist in
2: now did um you did some work with uh, another artist miguel mendoza on tales from oz yeah and, and then did you personally request to bring him on wonder woman too, or is that just how i
1: i did yes i did and he's still working with dc i know he just did a teen Titans thing uh i asked for miguel on wonder woman because again we had such a great connection on the little mermaid book and it's really i know for myself when I write something on a page and I envision it in my mind, for me, the connection with the artist is when the artist can take what I've, I've put on that page or that description and either give it to me exactly as I imagined it or make it better. And I've had the experience working with other artists where that didn't translate. And then it was it can be incredibly disappointing because now you're having to like try to fix in through dialogue what didn't come across on the page visually, or the story doesn't read the way it really should be reading. So when I had when I knew David couldn't do forty seven, I asked for Miguel. I said, "Look, it's only a fill in. It's a standalone issue, but I feel like he's such a good storyteller, and that for me, a lot of times can really supersede artwork because if you can't, you can have the greatest artist ever." But if you can't follow what's happening on the page, then I don't think that story is going to hit
2: for a reader. Well, I think that was a good decision because visually he brings a style very similar to Dave. Um, You know, of course, he's not Dave Finch, but he's very similar so that it gives your readers, you know, more consistency. And that's one thing I noticed. I was like, wow, this is not Dave Finch, but this is the second best thing. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, he's really good. He's really good. I loved uh, the Cowardly Lion story from Tales of Oz.
4: Yeah.
2: I mean, he is so expressive with his line
1: work. It's like, wow. His yeah, acting, those facial expressions.
2: Yeah. It's good.
1: Well, I'm going to pass that along to him.
2: Please do. Please do. Because I'd like to see him on some other titles. Yeah,
1: I know mm-hmm. he's he's doing, I, I know, because um, we worked with Mike Cotton when we were on Woman, that That issue of of Wonder Woman, I know Mike's holding on to Miguel because uh, (laughs) he is good and he's reliable, which, you know, you don't always get that.
2: We know, we know, we deal with that ourselves.
1: (laughs) We've had that experience in my house at times. (laughs) You know, he does his best.
3: Between your Wonder Woman run and now this Catwoman book coming out, you've now written the two most iconic female characters in comics. Now, I wanted to ask you, with a lot of things going on right now, uh, there have been a lot of changes over recent years in demographics in comics, and there are also a lot of things happening right now in movies, uh, with female characters coming into the comic movies more and more. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the current film version of Wonder Woman, uh, played by Gal Gadot.
1: Oh, I think she's amazing. When I... The very first time I saw her in the trailer for the um, Batman Superman movie, I just got chills. Mm. And Mm. I think she really was. I said before that movie came out that she was going to be the best part of that movie, and I stand by that statement. (laughs) Jeff Johns did not say that first. I said that first. He totally stole that. (laughs) (laughs) You hear that?
4: (laughs) So no, I
1: and you know my kids get excited about it. Because she's so great at it. We went to see Suicide Squad. And my 8-year-old is like, Mom, that's a Wonder Woman. That's Wonder Woman. And she just has a great blend, in my opinion, of femininity and power. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. I I think it's, we really, we try to line these days of what it means to be a, a woman. And what it means to be a female superhero. And I think it it's really important that we don't over-masculinize our women in the idea that we're making them strong. Mm -hmm. And so I like that they haven't done that with Gal because I don't think that you have to be, and I really feel strongly about this, you shouldn't have to be a man to be a strong woman. Mm -hmm. And, And I sometimes have, people might not, it might not be the most popular opinion, but I sometimes feel concerned that in order to generate diversity, that's what Marvel has done with some of their characters like I would I would prefer that instead of coming up with a female Thor or female Wolverine or female Iron Man they spent more time and effort in the female characters that they already had and really being telling good stories about them
2: absolutely I I agree I agree 100% and also finding the right people to provide that voice voice for them you know I, I you know I love Azarello but I don't know if he can write a female perspective as well as a female writer and I think that's one of the strengths that you had and you know brought to the character and that's a welcome change and part of the progress
1: I certainly wanted people to feel like she was authentically a woman and I know that one of the, I actually said to Dave when we came back from New York I said you know, it's funny, but I don't know if you notice, but a lot of the people who come up to me and are really enjoying the book, and, and I think I brought new fans in, but they're women who are actually saying, like, I've never read comics before. My friend gave me this book and said, this is a really good book to, intro- to as an introduction to comics. And I think that the rem- the reason that women have gravitated toward it and have enjoyed it is because it feels authentic. It, well, that's it, when
2: you know you're doing your job right, you know? It's always nice to
1: hear. And I hope, you know, I hope with Catwoman... I, I have some ideas. I'd like to do more stuff with her because I do feel like she's another character that really... I know she's been written by women before because in the New 52, Genevieve...
4: Valentine?
1: Yes, was writing her. So Mm -hmm. at least she's had that experience. And I mean, obviously, Wonder Woman's been written by women as well because Gail Simone wrote her. And I mean, it's hard to beat being written by Gail Simone. But I'd like the opportunity to, to sort of give my perspective to more female characters within comics and within the DCU. Uh, Being that you
0: just said that, I I guess I could jump into this question early um, about writing female characters. Would you ever in the future consider um, possibly writing Harley Quinn?
1: You know, there's a character that I think would be more of a challenge for me to write, if only because... She's the way Jimmy and Amanda have have. Yeah, that's that's I, the only reason
0: I brought it up, um, because it's that that's like a standalone. It's kind of a, a really lighthearted, goofy line that's not really that doesn't fall into continuity. I, I'm talking more in terms of a Harley Quinn that would be in continuity, like within Gotham, and and actually have more depth in, in her writing or whatnot in her story. Actually.
1: Now, I would say, I and that's that's the one thing I would say is because I, I don't do lighthearted.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I wish mean, like,
1: I, I wish I could, I don't. They are Jimmy and Amanda are so much fun in person. They just like riff off of each other and you know that that's how they write that book. It's not my forte, but to say that, I think I tend to gravitate toward darker, heavier emotional issues and if it was a Harley Quinn story that was dark and and, and sort of exploring more her her a character driven book exploring how she's feeling. And, and I think that might be more of my wheelhouse.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what I pray for one day to have something like that, as (laughs) as opposed to this other stuff. What about, uh, what about
2: Poison Ivy?
1: And Poison Ivy would be great. I find it took me, it took me a really long time to, to get into Catwoman as a character and really figure out for myself who she is and what, I want to represent for her and and I think it you know you have to really get to know a character and you have to find one of the things I found as a writer is you really have to find something about that character that reflects either the stage you're in in your life or an experience you've had in your life so that you can have that emotional connection and then that Really how I've been able to find, I can drive the arc and the story and know where I'm going with it. So, I mean, there are so many great characters. I know Amy Chu just did that great Poison Ivy run. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I would want to take a break before I followed her.
3: <laughs> now, We, we kind of got stuck on a loop here of uh, questioning you about female characters, uh, that uh, what you could do with that. Who else out there would you like? Uh, would you like to to get a chance at? Who do you think you could uh, really do something with? Is there anyone that you've you've always wanted to to get in there?
1: I, I feel like in a lot of ways, I would love to do a Robin story. Which and Robin? By Robin, I mean Damian Wayne, <laughs> because I really love Damian Wayne.
0: Mm-hmm. I just love
1: his sassiness and attitude and I just I, I just really I love that character um I'm so out of touch with Marvel right now because I always tend to be like whatever company we're at that's the company I'm at I, I kind of like Azrael yes. there's not there's not an yes, Azrael yeah. book I think if I were to do that though I would co-write it with David
3: um, I, I know i know dave's a big Azrael fan he
1: is a huge Azrael fan and and we've talked back and forth about you know ideas for an Azrael story um it's hard i'm not gonna lie it's hard to find time to read comics <laughs> yeah. so it, you know i tend to to focus superman is another one i feel like there's stuff that everybody tackles superman at and nobody is able to really hit with him. I feel, I feel like yeah, he's he's a tough character. Um, I don't I don't know if I would be able to hit with him, but I I do like the idea of sort of exploring that alienation mm-hmm. and isolation, and that mm-hmm. I, I kind of miss that. But in some ways too, I miss that, like Superman from from with Christopher Reeve days. You know what I mean? Like I feel like we're trying some. In some ways, we've lost what makes Superman so great that sort of
4: like a wholesome that
1: yeah yeah. like that joy like we're constantly trying to set him up as like this isolation alien and 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 I think the reason why Christopher Reeve connected so well is he just had an innocence about him that I feel sometimes Mm
4: -hmm. you know we're missing besides David and other artists you've worked with um is there an artist that you haven't worked with that you would really like to get a chance to do a book with whether it's a a one shot or an ongoing series
1: you know i've kind of been able to to scratch that edge a little bit uh with the creator own project i've got because i've been able to go to sort to write to artists who i'm a big fan of and say hey um i have got this project would you be able to do a cover for me I mean, it's tough because the artists that Dave looks at and the artists that I tend to get influenced by aren't the kind of artists that are doing monthly books right now. I mean, really, David is the last of his sort of generation that is really doing monthly books. You know, I'm a huge fan of Tim Sale. I'm a huge fan of Jeff Campbell. I'm I'm definitely the image girl, right? Like, that's, I think, because David's art is the first art I got exposed to. It's really that style that that I'm most attracted to. And for me, I will say this, I'm, I feel very fortunate that I've worked with amazing artists. And when I started looking for an artist for my creator Own project, I emailed a couple of um, art dealers or who represent various artists in Brazil and Spain and, and Portugal. Ooh. And I had, there's so much talent out there. And Dave would be the first one to say, there's so much talent out there. Um, and I have Iguara is the artist I have on my project who did, a I think he just finished up before he came onto my book, a Wolverine story for Marvel. And he's incredibly talented. I mean, I, I think the people that I would name would be people who wouldn't really like, I feel lucky to be able to work with Shane, but Shane's not really a monthly artist, right? Like that was, I was very fortunate to get him to do that. The, the election night, so I don't know. I, I don't I'm not familiar enough with new artists to say, like, I really want to work with this person. Um, I'm just a big fan of people who don't do monthly books. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Olivia Coypel. There's another one. You Neil know, You like all those guys. None of those guys are doing monthly books anymore.
2: Gabriel Del Otto. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> God! If he did a book, oh my God! Um, he, he's
3: just wrapped up doing the best variant covers around for any book. God, yes.
2: man. so good.
0: Getting into um, uh, how did um, being that it's coming out next month, how did um, Catwoman Election Day uh come to be? Was it pitched, or did DC want it, or how did that?
1: Well, be? what happened was I did um, after one as Wonder Woman was wrapping up, really. Um, I took, DC let me audit, I begged, um, and so they let me audit uh, Scott's writing class that he was offering through DC, and um, part of that class is writing, you know, you write an issue and, and write some pitches, and I wrote a, a Catwoman issue, and I really enjoyed it, and I think because of that, it ended up um, going through editorial, and then... Dan came to me and said, we've got, we're looking for Catwoman story with the election coming up. Would you be interested? And I was like, a Canadian writing an election issue, (laughs) American election. (laughs) Heck yes. And he said, and you can have Penguin for your Donald Trump character. And I was like, awesome. Done. (laughs) So, and then he's like, I said, I'll have something to, I said, how fast do we need this? And he's like, well, not tomorrow. And I'm like, I'll have something to you in the next couple weeks. And then it just got, the ball just got rolling from there. So
0: going into Catwoman, um, cause I, I love Catwoman. Have you ever, by any chance read Heart of Hush by Paul Dini?
1: I have not. Oh, okay. I'm so um, behind. I've got kids. Is that a good excuse? No, books at me. <laughs> I can
0: imagine. No, like the only reason I bring that up is because I love Selena so much not only because of her long history, but because she's as strong as she is playful. And at the end of the day, Batman's like one true love throughout history. And well, I brought up Heart of Hush because um, I think Dini writes that point the best in how much she means to Batman, but of how important she is. And uh, being that Rebirth has not seen Catwoman yet. That's why me personally, I know a lot of other people that I know are really excited about finally seeing Selina in continuity now in the rebirth era and um batman number nine came out the other day and a lot of people are talking about that as well being that uh she showed up but now we're at the point where she's portrayed as this serial killer like 237 body counts and on death row via um lethal injection um is election day going to play into that or is it more of like a standalone uh one-shot book?
1: it's definitely more standalone one-shot book
4: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All
1: right. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
4: it's pretty Well, and she's wearing like yeah, a Hannibal Lecter yeah. mask too. Yeah. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> What's going yeah. on? What?
4: In Arkham. <laughs>
1: Is that that Tom King guy?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's something not right about that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: we can say that awesome. because all of us love Tom. Oh, I know. He's
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah. He's so yeah,
0: he's been- I
3: I wanted to ask you one other thing. Uh you do still refer to yourself as being someone new uh, in the industry, as a new writer. Would you have any advice for particularly female writers that are looking to to break into the industry?
1: I really think these days the only way to get into the industry is through creator owned and self-publishing. I don't think that uh, DC and Marvel are looking anywhere but at self-published books these days. So yeah. I would say to anybody who wants to get into writing, you have to show that you have the ability to slog it out and self-publish and do all the kind of effort and work and really prove that you can write a comic before they're going to give you a comic.
0: And make those deadlines. Yes. Too. Yeah. <laughs> deadline, deadline, deadline. Well,
1: even with, i mean who knows with the self-published book how long it took you to get that out right so Mm -hmm. that's still a bit of a a question mark but i definitely know that they're looking i mean they they have looked in um at some novelists and some children's writers Mm -hmm. but by and large the majority of people they're bringing in are self-published
0: i wonder if that was the case for like joshua williamson who's um his nail run is one of the best indies out there period and uh and now he's doing The Flash now. I guess that might be a good example of a yeah. segue right into yeah. into that. Yeah. yeah. Well, D- and DC definitely knows how to recruit for artists, though. They're, like, the best. <laughs> they got every great artist in the game Oh yeah. on their payroll. So. I had a question I've always wanted to ask a writer. It's never got around to it. Like, can you describe the typical day or week or workflow of what it's like being a comic book writer for DC and dealing with DC, like, in terms how does it work? Do, do you like call or log in or a conference call like yeah. weekly to, to discuss what's going to be put out or um like ha, or you know like ha, the process of working with them or editorial and and consistently getting an ongoing series out like sure you know, like i mean process.
1: it's it's definitely like touching base um talking to editors that you've worked with in the past in terms of new projects saying hey I had this idea for this character or this hasn't been done with this character. Um, and then once you, like I said before, once you sort of get the green light that, Hey, we like this idea, go ahead and write up, you know, uh, a summary of what your, your six, your six issues would be. And then, you know, you have to break that down and, and it goes through editorial and, and gets approved again. And then once you've written the script and the artist has drawn it Then you'll get pages and and you'll go through. I know from my own experience anyway, and then I would letter and do a whole nother draft, just a lettering draft with, you know, page one, panel one. This is because oftentimes, most times, I've yet to have an issue where I didn't have to modify dialogue um, based on what, how the art was interpreted on the page. So you have to go through once you actually have the final the images in front of you and make sure that the images, the dialogue matches the image and the facial expression. Cause sometimes that doesn't always translate and make, and then, you know, you go through a couple runs with that and you see the lettered version. And oftentimes when you see it lettered, it changes your perception of something. So and certainly for me, it's like a, a multi-step process and usually it it's an, a, a slide into the finish. Cause it'll be like, everything is going well and then all of a sudden you you're up against the deadline because something got delayed and you're like okay I need to have this done by noon today and I just got it at nine o'clock in the morning kind of thing so I mean that's just the nature of the publishing business right now especially with DC publishing two books a month for each like for each of their their rebirth, Books, that's that's a lot to be putting out. Yeah. So, yeah. so is yeah, that no. why
2: you were constantly looking over uh, Dave's shoulder while he's drawn, make sure that it was interpreted exactly how you wanted.
1: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding,
2: I'm kidding, I'm you know, kidding.
1: Well there were times when we were on Wonder Woman, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, that you didn't do it. and he's like, I just think it works better this way and then I get so mad at him. <laughs> oh. And then I wouldn't talk to him for like a day. And then I would, oh. then I would say, oh, yeah. "Damn you!" Because it is freaking better. <laughs> Die because once I had to dialogue around it. I always find I know for myself anyway. Like if I hit a wall and I have to push through, it's always better. So you know, sometimes he put me up in front of a wall, but always you know, and We're running and out of a wall, yeah, yeah. And for Dave, <laughs> it's always what the visual. What's the best way to visually tell the story? and And I, he really had a lot of freedom on Wonder Woman because I would say, okay, page one, here's what's happening. For a long time, when he was working with Marvel and even working with Jeff Johns, he was getting page one panel one description, page pan, page one panel two description. Here's a picture embedded in your email or in the file. like very specific breakdowns of how pages were to be drawn. And with one woman, I was like, well, page one, she's going to fight, or like the swamp thing. We need a page, three pages of her fighting swamp thing. This is what the idea is behind this. This is sort of the dialogue I have in my head. Go nuts and do it. Because why wouldn't I do that? He's one of the yeah. greatest visual storytellers I know. And I think that not enough writers make use of the visual storytelling ability of their artists. And that's, you know, I think when you have that kind of relationship with your between the artist and the writer, it really makes the story better. Now,
3: you mentioned you mentioned sometimes in the process when you get the art, it it has changed the dialogue. Uh, have you ever had an instance where, when you've seen the art come back, that it's caused you to create a change, and maybe you've ended up thinking, oh well, that's that's better than than what I. I
1: had before hope. that's what you hope always what you hope and you know I've certainly had that experience I've also had experiences where I've gotten art back and cried because it really didn't translate the emotions mm-hmm. that I felt needed to be translated and that were really essential to the story and so mm-hmm. something got lost in the art so
0: I like you're a passionate writer I like that that's really yeah. that's that's what we need in in the comic book world the world of literary you know in general just passion
3: in a case like that where something didn't didn't translate properly and it's just not at all what you had wanted it to be at at that point in the process is it too late to have things changed or were you ever able to to say no this this isn't the direction this was this panel was supposed to go
1: here's the one thing that i would say i'm always incredibly hesitant to ask an artist to change something if i can't work i would have to really not be able to work around it because at the end of the day even if it didn't translate the way i wanted it to translate there i can rewrite dialogue for a whole issue in a day an artist can't redraw stuff that quickly Mm. you know what i mean and they do you know, I, I I wouldn't say even those times where it didn't translate and I felt upset. It wasn't because the artist didn't try his best. It wasn't because the artist didn't do a good job. It's just we just had a miscommunication. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't I would I'm very very hesitant to, whenever I ask for redraws on things because I know how much time and energy goes into pages and how and as passionate as I am about what I'm doing. I hope I'm working with people who are equally as passionate. So, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, it's up to me to figure it out. If, if, it, if it didn't work out, like it would have to be something that was really, really critical. Like something was missing that had to be there before I would ask for a redraw.
2: So did you ever have a time when you had to tell an artist, you know, it, it'd be a good time to quit. So,
1: <laughs> No, I just, don't, I just don't ask to work with them again.
4: Okay, Meredith, you can be honest with us. How many times have you walked? Have you woken up at two, three o'clock in the morning, and you don't see Dave, and you find him either at his desk or in a room drawing, in you know wee hours of the night?
1: You mean asleep on the couch? (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> with a pencil on one hand and the, and the, the paper his on nose. his chest yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna lie
1: that especially with batman because he was seriously burning the candle hard to get those five issues done for the first arc and he refused to have anybody else in his book dave is very um He's all about the art, and there were many, many nights I come down. I wake up at two o'clock. I'm like, oh, "Drake, he's not in bed yet." And, or, and I go down, and he'd either be like, "And he, he, when he falls asleep, the lights are on, like his bright office lights are on." I'm like, "How do you even sleep?" But he'll be passed out on the couch, paper on on the floor beside him, his drawing board because he, like, he'll get so tired of the desk, he'll move to the couch. And then he'll just pass out. Or there were times where he wouldn't sleep at all. Oh, wow. and I'd be like, did you well, sleep? The, and he's like, uh, not tonight.
4: Well, on the, uh, then on would the would say, side.
1: I'm too old for this. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> on the um, on the flip side, how many times have has David found you, you know, trying to finish this story or trying to finish that script where you might have been falling asleep on the couch, either on your laptop or, uh, with a, you know, pen and pad.
1: What is more likely to happen, I I pass out on the couch at 8 o'clock, 8.30. Like, the kids are putting me to bed. So, <laughs> it's far more likely that I will wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm experiencing the old woman syndrome where I can't go back to sleep. And I'll be like, well, I can't sleep. Might as well go downstairs and work. So, I'll go down and I'll, you know, work for an hour or two. And then I'll go back to bed and, or if I get a really good idea, like I have to get up and get it down. Um, mm-hmm. it's amazing how much you can think about when you're lying, waiting for sleep to come back. <laughs> That's true. Uh, have but,
3: you ever oh, kept uh, a, have you ever kept a notepad or a recorder beside the bed in case you wake up uh, from a dream and have an idea that you don't want to
4: forget?
1: I do have a pad in my purse. I don't have one beside my bed cause I, I can always run downstairs. But uh, yeah, Dave always is saying to me, Why aren't you working? You need to be working. I'm like, Dude, I work all the time. I'm working when I'm ironing. I'm working when I'm making dinner. I'm working all the time. And that's the one thing about, I think, writers that I didn't really realize getting into is you're constantly trying to think of ideas. And it, it actually ends up, if you're stuck, I find it's very helpful. To just do like go out and cut the grass, or <gasps> or I iron, or I go for a drive, because it's that just that slight bit of distraction that sort of like. Do you ever see that Big Bang episode where Sheldon works at the uh, cheesecake factory because he's <laughs> stuck? It's yeah. that kind of idea. <laughs> then you have your eureka so, moment, eureka! As you spill so that, food and dishes. So
3: that was you. I saw bussing tables at the lumberjack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone because I did it for free. Okay. okay. No. Speaking on. of the speaking
2: of the lawn mowing, I mean, who who does the lawn mowing <laughs> duties in your household?
1: Um, see now you're just trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> My okay, so I I would say. I'm going to give it to my 13-year-old kid right now because I just make him do it. But as a general rule, Dave works a lot. So usually I will do the yard work because he's busy. Like Saturday, he works weekends. He works after the kids go to bed. So, you know, unless I really need, like, brute strength, I make him, like, help me take out, put all the stuff away at the end of the season. But for the most part, I... My kids are old enough, I force them to do it. I feel like it's good for the soul. It must be interesting
0: being them in general because, you know, people ask, so, so what do your mom and dad do? Oh, they write and draw comic books. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? You know, oh, wait,
1: the I only think. time they think it's cool, though, is when their friends think it's cool. Because <laughs> they, they're like, kids, yeah. <laughs> oh, frig, more comic books at the house. <laughs>
3: this, oh, like what? Like
1: Why <laughs> are these boxes here? Yeah, it's like, I think it's like, you know, when you're surrounded by it all the time, it's like anything. You just become numb to it.
2: Well, that's so. what's so interesting is because, you know, usually, um, you know, the commerce and the industry of an era breathes the talent. You know, just like, you know, in New York City with all the fashion design and music and all this stuff, you know, all the writers and the designers live there. But that's what's so unique about Windsor, Ontario, Canada. It's like this small town on the other side of the river from Detroit and it's got such a large community of comic creators. It, Why it is does. that
1: I I don't know if it's um, <laughs> yeah, that's true I, I don't know if it's because we're so close to Detroit and you get that sort of duality of of hmm. being exposed to everything American but but having uh, I would say, Benefits of being Canadian. Um, I think it's because it's a. I think being a blue collar town, um, I think that really helps because kids, it wasn't a really. You really had to go out and seek your own entertainment in a way that, you know, living in New York, you you may have just had opportunities presented to you. I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water. Maybe, it's the that, I, but maybe I would say it's the Detroit River, but I don't know about <laughs> you know, I mean, so maybe It's all those balls. Are, are,
4: are you sure it's not? There? Are you sure it's, there's not something in the Tim Hortons you guys drink up there? Oh,
1: maybe that's that's it. It's the Tim Hortons stuff.
4: <laughs> Could be it. Um, <laughs> quick, I mean, uh, just out of curiosity, um, have uh, have you kind of been during your career, um, been stuck on what to write, and then maybe your something that your children do or say kind of inspires you on in a story or a certain aspect of a story?
1: Um, yeah, I would say definitely that they can they can do things. If I'm stuck, I'll be like, hey guys, I've got to have Wonder Woman do this, or I need something. What do you think and they might come up with something really crazy that i can't use but it might inspire me to be able to to do something i can um i do i think when i talk to them especially with our eight-year-old i'm I'm much more inspired to do like a, a children's story i feel like someday i'd like to just write a teen titans go episode just for the kids, because we all love it. Like it's just that's one of the best shows on TV. It's one of those every everybody in the family can watch it and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I I think just because by virtue of the characters I've been writing, I tend to get more inspiration from experiences in my own life and the lives of the women around me.
4: Yeah, because um uh, your uh, your run on wonder you and David when you guys took up uh, wonder woman that first arc you could really tell uh because uh, you mentioned it earlier about um something happened where you know that kind of in your life that reflected towards the first arc and i remember reading wonder woman and um she was very conflicted because she was stuck in man's world that she had to help protect but then her homeland the mascara they uh, the, Am- the amazon women kind of um, a lot of them disowned her or didn't, you know, even though she was queen, a lot of them didn't, you know, really, she didn't feel, she kind of felt like she was um, not part of either world.
1: Yeah. She wasn't fulfilling her response. She, she was so torn that she wasn't giving anybody any part of her, like she wasn't being responsible in any way that she wanted to be.
4: She, She needed
1: more of herself. Yeah.
4: And, and the way that David drew her, I mean, you could, you could see the emotion in her, like she was torn between, you know, both both worlds but she was she didn't feel like she was accepted in either one and um i think towards the end of that arc that's when you uh that's when you brought uh, donna troy in. yeah and, um, i love
1: that i love that character
4: yeah that, that was I, I remember seeing that when she came out of the cauldron i was like i, I don't want to <laughs> swear but i was like hell yeah you know i mean that it was, that, that was a, that was a really good uh really good arc or the whole story from when you you and david jumped on till the end was, was really good
0: Thing. Can we speak a little bit about your uh, Creator Own coming up? Absolutely.
1: With the Creator Own project, um, as I said, i've I've got an amazing artist, Iguar on it, and you know every page he does, it just gets better and better. And I, I I really for this story, went back to my roots. And you know, I started with fantasy fiction, and I wanted this to be more of a a fantasy fiction kind of comic book um so it's you know it's it's a story about a young girl whose world is in danger uh um and she has the power to save it but in order to do that she has to believe in herself and connect with um a character I originally had gone with a dragon, and Dave's like, you can't go with a dragon, Meredith, because I love Anne McCaffrey and the Dragon Riders of Pern. But, uh, you know, I really was very firm that I wanted my character to have white hair. And as we all know, there's a show on TV with a character (laughs) with white hair, who rides dragons, and I was like, "Ah, I can't do that. I've never heard of
4: it. What are you talking about?
1: (laughs) So they took my idea. Damn you, George R. Martin! And so I ended up. I ended up using cats, and I love it. It has worked out so much better than I it ever could have. Um, I think if I had used dragons, so like the cats are these great, big, huge monsters, and and they're the guardians of the land, and basically every cat has a, a guardian, and it's their job to to keep the balance and they've all been destroyed there and we're left with this one girl who doesn't even believe in herself and it's her responsibility now to, uh, to bring back her land, which is dying and, uh, and, and return it to, to what it used to be. And it's been a lot of fun sort of exploring that idea of, believing in yourself, because it's very easy. And especially with today's Twitterverse and, and social media, I think we all struggle with that. It's very easy to have other people undermine you and what you believe to be true about yourself. And I I really wanted to explore that in this story. So it's been a lot of fun. And, and I have the most amazing colorist. I actually had joe prado come up to me because iguara works out of his studio and say to me i've never seen ig's work look so good and the colorist i have in the book is triona farrell and i'll give you guys images that you can post but everybody i've shown it to um publishers and and friends have just gushed over how beautiful and i feel like the two of them have such an amazing synergy um i just feel really privileged. To see, It's my first creator-owned project, it, which is funny because as I was, you know, earlier talking about how are people getting into comics and, and so many people in comics now have creator-owned projects. Um, but it's my first creator-owned project and it's kind of like having a little kid again, like to see the first colored version and to see it put together in a PDF lettered. It, it's been such an, an incredible experience for me. And I'm incredibly proud of it. Sounds
2: like, well, obviously, a creator-owned project is a little bit more liberating and, and more you're more involved with the creator process when it comes to whole new set of characters. Some never even imagined before versus, you know, working with a large publisher where you want to create a new character. Do you have to, like, if you're like with DC and you want to create a whole new character, is there is there a certain procedure and protocol and... And, you know, things that you have to go through to get approval to create a new character?
1: Well, I think if you're with DC or, or with Marvel, you have to have a really good reason for creating a new character and not utilizing a character that has already been part of the universe. There has right. to, You know okay. what I mean? If somebody else can serve this, can fill this role, why are we creating a new character? is the question. So I mean, in some ways, it, it, it can be very liberating to work on a creator-owned project. But the other thing that it can you can struggle with, and I know I did initially when I was coming up with the idea, is you have no parameters, right? So if I'm writing a Catwoman story, I know that Catwoman is Batman's femme fatale, I know that she's a jewel thief. I know that she's have, very independent have, yeah, and very alone. And I have all these guidelines that I, put me in a box and then I create my story out of that box. But coming up with a creator-owned character, I'm like, oh, I want to write a story about a girl who has a telepathic connection with this huge, awesome Black Panther. And where do I go with that? And then I have to create, I have to world build.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which can... Be a little intimidating. So the one thing I found I have found is giving doing it giving almost too much explanation because I feel like I need to tell everybody what's in my head about this. and and so I've had to really like edit myself and bring it back and and uh, make sure that it's a story, and I'm not just describing this this wide array of ideas that I have. So yeah, it can get too big on you if you're not careful
2: it's kind of like building a deep dish pizza man there's so many toppings you want to put on there but you oh, know you can only get three so which you, ones do you, you choose
4: if, if baby, you put too
1: many be. or the wrong ones then
4: you can't even oh, eat it,
1: so. and, 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 <laughs> and then and they
4: don't co-mingle and they kind of you know it, you're it like why a then you <laughs> then you
1: run it.
0: speaking of deep dish gramps why don't you light up uh light up the lightning round oh
1: okay Meredith? Wine so, is my answer to every question. No, <laughs> Wine, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my answer. Wine and chocolate. <laughs>
2: <Okay>.
3: <laughs> that will be applicable on most of them.
2: All right.
1: after okay, drinking, good. We're good to go. After drinking <laughs>
2: wine, what is your go-to 80s karaoke tune?
1: Air Supply. I'm All Out of Love. Do <laughs> you and Dave have a special duet karaoke song? Dave? cannot carry a tune including, <laughs> <laughs> including row 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 your boat <laughs> my children oh. would not let him sing to them Oh, <laughs> For baby. Luckily, luckily
3: he
2: can carry a pencil
1: thank god <laughs> yeah.
2: what's your favorite type of m&ms mm, plain oh
1: no almonds can i change my answer Oh, um, Almond, they've got new yeah, Almond ones.
2: Good. Uh, that's, that's pretty
3: yeah, unique. you never seen it. And Rich wasn't around to hear it. He's got to hit that reset button.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who's your favorite hockey
0: team? <clears throat> the Leafs. Oh, well, uh, uh, duh. Duh. I, right. <laughs>
1: I don't know about these Windsor people who root for Detroit. I just don't understand it.
4: Well, <laughs> because they Robin, are I don't know about you. <laughs> It's going to be the Blackhawks on their side. Don't worry. Would Would you be willing to
2: drive across the bridge and pick up Robo Rich and bring him back to Windsor sure. just to, just for a meet and greet at the shop sometime?
1: Sure, if he needs me to.
2: Because he can't get across otherwise.
1: <laughs> so,
2: who's your favorite uh, WWE wrestler?
1: Can I say Hulk Hogan? Does that date me?
2: Oh, no, no, that's no, awesome. no, that's a good choice. That's oh, good yeah. Choice. Do you have any other talents besides, you know, being a, a, a great writer? Do you have any other talents? And mowing the lawn? <laughs> I,
1: can, I can make up songs on the spot to tunes I already know. So I used to make up songs for my kid when I would put him to bed at night because he liked Lightning McQueen. So I'd just pick <laughs> a tune and I'd make up a Lightning McQueen song for him.
3: Oh, okay. Well, would it be putting you too much on the spot to ask you to do – A song about one of your new books, either one of your choice. Oh my god! To air supply.
1: (laughs) To air supply. No, this is to like kids. Like I could do it to Robo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) I can't even do it, Robin. Now I'm like, (laughs) I can sing my song. That's as good as I can do.
3: (laughs) I, I think I'm gonna get hit the next time I see you.
1: You might pick <laughs> you
2: know, those comics up, and then I might bonk you on the head. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> hashtag Bonk them shits. All right. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite movie? When I see when Downton Abbey. It's
1: not even a movie. I love Downton Abbey, but
4: I <laughs> <laughs> like, is there a movie that when you're flipping through the TV and it's on, it don't matter what scene it is, what part of the movie it is, you stop and just watch it.
1: Elizabeth. I love Tudor history, so like. Any of those, Ooh. anything that's got tutors in it, I love.
2: Oh, do you like Penny Dreadful?
1: No, I haven't watched that show. Oh my
2: gosh, oh. you need to watch that. It's on Netflix now. There's only three seasons. It's good. Okay, yeah, it's really. Good. I'm, tra- uh, it might be
1: I'm trying to catch up with my Netflix stuff. You know, we don't get as much in Canada, but I, I'll try to catch up with. I've got a few that I that I need to watch. Somebody told me Vikings too. And black oh, sails. And-
2: yeah, those are good I too, but good, any yeah. dreadful. If you could bring back anybody from the dead to sit with for an hour and have a meal with and conversate with, who, who would you bring back to talk to?
1: Henry Eighth.
2: Henry VIII? <laughs> wow.
0: wow. I right, don't wow. Try I love
1: my tutors. <laughs> I just want to have dinner with that guy because he is clearly charismatic. If he had... Six wives. That's true.
2: He had a lot of patience. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> careful,
1: careful, well, I don't know if I'd call it patience, but sure, let's go with that. But,
3: but, but at least at least he always knew that his lawn would be mowed.
1: That's right. Yeah, tw- <laughs> Not by a 13-year-old boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, oh, the, yeah, the yeah, pizza question. Yeah, well, okay. Do you... What's your favorite type of pizza? Do you like the thin crust? Do you like deep dish? Do you like flatbread?
1: I am I have a gluten allergy, so I've been celiac my entire life. So for me, just having takeout pizza is a treat because I didn't have takeout pizza until I was thirty five.
4: What? Because Last who week? makes Oh <laughs> gluten free,
1: yeah. Aww. <laughs> Who said that? They're getting a Christmas card this year.
2: That was me. That was me. (laughs) Because,
1: I mean, nobody made gluten-free takeout pizza. I never even had a gluten-free pizza crust. So, or if you did, it's like a frozen piece of cardboard. So, yeah, for me, and there's an amazing pizza place in Windsor on Erie Street that uh, makes gluten-free pizza. So, Although I've also had good gluten free pizza in Italy, so but yeah, just having pizza is a treat. I have no favorite. I love it all.
4: David, David takes the kids out of the house. You're all home alone. What is the one thing you you, you know, you do in your free time with no kids and David's you know, they're they're all gone.
1: Do you want the really cool answer or do you want the truth? <laughs> she said, she, said, she
4: said wine. Well, wine, wine. And
1: chocolates? Okay. wine and chocolate. Wine and chocolate. Yeah, I I can't sit still. I have a real problem with that. So mm-hmm. I tend to do chores when Dave takes the kids out of the house. I'm like laundry day with wine and chocolate.
4: <laughs> no, <laughs> do you
1: Back me a... with wine? <laughs> do you mow the lawn with wine? I, I do. I have a backpack. Yes, <laughs>
3: with, with one of those straws that comes around.
1: That's right. That's I'm exactly working. right. People are We're like, working. why does she look so happy cutting the grass? <laughs> That's why. I, okay.
2: need to, grass I, I need to find one of those for my wife. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she might cut the grass a lot more often.
2: She does already. <laughs> well thank you so much I mean we would love to have you back anytime if if you want to come back and hang out with us you just
1: have to ask I'll be here anytime this is kind of fun
2: so Catwoman
3: election night is out uh, November 2nd Yes. and uh, your creator own project will be coming out
1: look for it to be in April solicit so it should be hitting um, in December I think is when the April solicits come out because I have to have three issues done before we can solicit, and I'm a, we're an issue and a half away. Awesome, <clears throat> we look forward to it.
3: Well, yeah. thanks again so much for your time. Yeah. Thank, and, you, uh, thank you so awesome. much. Awesome, and thanks we
1: will so get
3: a much. we'll get a review out uh, of election night as well in the very near future. And everyone okay. make Absolutely. sure to pick
0: that up. That's yeah. right. And, and congratulations on all your success so yeah. far and to your future success awesome. as
4: well. That Thank
1: you so it much, it. guys. I really appreciate
4: it. Eat some chocolates and uh, you can go to bed now. And have a
0: glass
4: of She
3: didn't tell us. She's been doing it all along.
0: That's
2: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now
4: and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.